0: Mentioned in dispatches, the podcast in the Western Front Association, with me, Dr. Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War history society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the Great War and have over sixty branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at WesternFrontAssociation.com. It is the twenty-second of June, twenty twenty, and this is episode one hundred and sixty-six. On today's podcast, I talked to Peter Walsh, who has been researching the community of Washington in the Great War. I spoke to Peter from his home in Washington. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the Dispatches podcast. Could you start by telling us about yourself and how you became interested in the Great War? Uh, as a child of the Northeast,
1: if I wasn't going to be Jackie Milburn or Freddie Truman uh, or the Range Rider. Um, I did like reading history. My dad bought me history books as a present and cricket books. Uh, I read The Great uh, sorry, watched The Great War on television in 1964 and obviously that that had a big impact. I read uh, A.J.P. Taylor and his um, War by Railway Timetable. And then I became a history teacher, I worked in Sunderland for 37 years in an inner-city comprehensive school. And then one day in about 1980, a girl called Ilona Taylor, the only Ilona I've ever met, uh, walked into the classroom that I was working in and said, Do you want these papers? What are they, Elona? I don't know, something that my mum said she's going to throw away if you don't want them. It turned out to be a, um, a collection of papers and documents about how they'd built the South Hilton War Memorial, which was just close to the school. Uh, we used to use those in uh, history lessons as uh, primary sources, and in a sense, that um, relit an interest in the First World War. Um, and so we started taking kids to France.
0: So, before we get into detail, could you tell us where Washington is?
1: Yep, yeah, it's uh, between Newcastle, Sunderland, and Durham. Uh, in 1964, it was created in one of the uh, country's new towns, Washington New Town which meant that they put some factories in, an RCA factory and various others, and, of course, we've now got the huge Nissan factory. Uh, it's on the northeast coal field, and originally it was Washington CD as opposed to D.C., Washington County Durham. It's now part of whatever Tyne and where it may be. It's a, a thing that's um, created, but I think people pay lip service to it, but that's about all. And it's the place where, in 1977... Jimmy Carter came and, with James Callahan planted what turned out to be a dead tree beside Washington Old Hall, because that was the, um, the ancestral home of the Wessington or Washington family. George Washington never lived there, uh, but uh, it was the ancestral home of that particular family, dating back, I think, the first stone uh, Old Hall was built in 1183. So it's uh, northeast on the coalfield.
0: So how did you become interested in Washington and the Great War?
1: Well, after Ilona brought the papers in that I mentioned before, uh, we started taking uh, school trips to France, and this was in the days before the Internet, so it was really difficult to find people uh, who were from South Hilton. When my wife and I moved, when Margaret and I moved into uh, to Fatfield in the um, 1990s, the memorial, the Fatfield War Memorial, or the Harriton War Memorial, was directly outside our front window on the Worm Hill. Local people will know, wish lads had your gobs, I'll tell you Zarl and awful story, the story of the Lambton Worm and the, the Lambton family. Then over um, two or three bottles of wine, perhaps it might have been, oh, it was suggested that we should find out who the 102 names on the Harriton War Memorial were. Um, I retired in 2005, and typical history teacher, I was the sad man in the bedroom with a computer, which I was already starting to use, and a file of uh, information about these fellows, which gradually built up. Having discovered who most of them were, um, we then moved on to the Usworth War Memorial and the Washington uh, War Memorial, uh, and we we did our first exhibition um, in the Art Centre at Washington in 2011.
0: So, can you tell us what Washington was like in 1914, and what were the principal uh, industries in the area, and what type of people lived in the vicinity?
1: Okay, Washington was uh, basically four parishes in those days. There was Washington Parish with about 7,800 people, and another 500 in Balmston. Uh, Usworth Parish had about 7,900 people in uh, 1911, and then Harriton Parish, which the main settlement in which is Fatfield, there was about three and a half thousand there. Basically, it was uh, there was some farming, open fields, but uh, the important thing were or the important things were the pits. Glebe Colliery had about 700 men working there. F Pit at Washington over a thousand with over a thousand, Harriton Colliery had over a thousand men working above and below ground, and so did North Biddick. So you've got about um, 5,000 um, men and women working in the collieries there. They lived in the terraces and the rows, uh, imaginatively named New Row, Middle Row, North Row, South Row. Uh, unlike Horden, where they simply went for numbers, first row, second row, third row, uh, they did at least have some kind of name. Um, there was a chemical works, Newell's Chemical Works, which um, we're still reaping the benefits of with the, the chemicals there. It's now been built over. Asbestos uh, was involved. The Cooks had an iron works, uh, brick works. But if you didn't work for any of those, you probably worked for the co-op uh, or one or two little shops. And I think I should mention that uh, the 3rd Earl of Durham, Lord Lambton, uh, or the uh, the Earl of Durham, uh, was uh, the local chief landowner, I think, who lived in Lambton Castle, which he had a significant
0: impact on the area. When war broke out in 1914, what was the response to Kitchener's call for volunteers from the local community?
1: Well, I'm going to break into dialect here, because according to the Chesley Street Chronicle, uh, the question of the day was, what thou gun, Jackie? And Jackie's answer, generally speaking, was, aye, I'd gun if you'd gun, Tommy, would you go? Yes, I'll go if you'll go. So the fellows joined up together. Uh, The Washington District Volunteer Record that was um, published in uh, September 1914 listed 392 men, some of them reservists who'd already been in the DLI or whatever, uh, who had signed up by the 8th of September. So there was an enthusiastic initial response. That waned, I think, a little, and Lord Lambton was... um, (laughs) so much controversial in saying uh, in November of 1914 that he would like to see Germans bomb Roker Park to encourage the men who were still going to watch football to join up. As a Newcastle supporter, uh, I was uh, quite in sympathy with the idea that Roker Park should be bombed, but not for the same reason as Lord Lampton. Um, And I think that the level of um, enlistment can be gained from the fact that Washington produced about a thousand tribute medals at the end of the war. Usworth Colliery, something like 700. And Harriton, which was, remember, about half the size, 410 men are in the role of honor, of whom 102 were killed. That's a 25% uh, death rate, which is quite staggering and twice the national average. So, uh, approximately, I think, about 2,500 men from Washington, and of course there were women as well who joined up, we might might mention later, Uh, about 2,500 men joined the forces from this area with a population of, uh, what did we say, about 18,000.
0: What's her service and what units did the men and women enlist in?
1: I'm talking about the 383 who were killed now uh, that we know about. Of them, 95 were in the DLI. Uh, And the Fusiliers, 59, and of course there were the Tyneside Irish, the Fighting Irish, and there were thousands and thousands of Irish living in this area, Irish immigrants. And then there were the Tyneside Scots, who were hard as hammers, or they thought they were. Um, And according to Dan Jackson in his book, uh, most of them joined up, not because they had Scottish ancestry, but because they thought they might get to wear kilts. Though in fact they were only allowed to wear trues, tartan trues, but trues all the same. The Green Howards from uh, Yorkshire, they've got their depot at Richmond of 59 in the Green Howards. Uh, about 40 other Yorkshire regiments, the Coys, the East Yorkshires, the West Yorkshires. 24 fellows were in the artillery, um, and of course most of our fellows started work with pit ponies when they went down the pit at the age of 13, 14. Fifteen in the uh, Royal Engineers, Uh, their skills from the collieries, I think, were very useful in the Royal Engineers, some of them were remarkably skilled at the the, the technical side of warfare. I think we had one in the RAF and five in the Navy, and it was an area where the vast majority were working class men, so we had seven officers out of the 383 who were killed. It gives an indication of the type of area it was.
0: And do you know if those officers were promoted from the ranks or were they sort of appointed because they went to the right school at the beginning of the well, war?
1: There's an interesting, interesting story about one of them. There's a lad called John Dawson from Usworth who, when he gave his address, this was a young man who had gone up through the ranks and he described his address as Pitt Cottages but with two T's. And I wonder whether he was trying to disguise the fact that it was the Pitt Cottages. I can't believe he thought that Pitt had two T's. I wondered if he was trying to indicate that actually it was, you know, William Pitt, the elder or the younger cottages that he came from, rather than coal miner cottages. But um, no, most of those fellows were uh, sons of the vicar, uh, a school teacher. You know, they were the kind of uh, the professional classes uh, in terms of the officers.
0: And what other stories emerged from your uh, research?
1: Well, I can tell you that uh, John Thomas Sandy's wife uh, got a note from the army saying that when he died, uh, he owed the army threats and she sent them three penny stamps. And an army clerk has written that in the book of Soldiers' Effects from Mrs. Sandy of the uh, um, municipal Terrace, Washington. Three times one D stamps. Joe Affleck uh, was a local scoutmaster. He took his fifteen-year-old son Arthur to join up with him. I think he thought it was a bit of an adventure. Mrs. Affleck found out that people were getting killed in this war and said to the army, "You shouldn't have our Arthur." And so they sent him home. Joe was killed on the first of uh, July, nineteen sixteen, along with thirty-nine other blokes from Washington. And when the Usworth War Memorial was opened in nineteen twenty-two. The bugler who played the last post was Arthur Affleck, who of course by that time had had to join the army because he was of the right age. Robert Stevenson Gould, uh, his body we think, we're almost certain was one of those discovered in 2001 in a in a mass grave near Arras. He went on the uh, Arras Memorial is missing. He's now in uh, Point du Jour Cemetery as an um, an unknown soldier of the Lincolnshire Regiment, but there's a piece in a book of archaeology about the Great War which shows you 34 men lying together with linked arms. Uh, so they've been buried carefully, and it's almost certain that Robert Gould is one of them, but of course they don't do the DNA testing. Billy Jonas was a footballer from Clapton Orient, as it then was, uh, Late Orient, as it now is, and uh, there's a memorial to him that people might have seen at Flares from the uh, the Middlesex, the Footballers Battalion. And I'll finish with Nathan Marshall. Nathan was a... Well, he never went before the tribunal as a conscientious objector, but I think it's quite clear that he was, judging by the friends that he had, one of whom was one of those absolutist conchies. He would not do anything, but Nathan uh, carried a stretcher, and was killed in uh, uh, July, I think, 1916. So a real range of stories, everyone a tragedy. Uh, but, but I'll just want to mention one more. Willie Colleen, Willie was of no fixed abode when he joined the army. I suspect had never done anything that anybody ever told him. Suddenly everybody was telling him what to do. His army record... There's a list of misdemeanors as long as your arm, and when they when um, they were trying to contact Mrs. Colleen, uh, they had to get the Northumberland police or the Newcastle police involved to find her. She was living on the shore, grounded biker, in a caravan, I think. And against um, where they put the list of relatives, Mrs. Colleen against wife wrote, "Willie wasn't married, thank God." I think she meant that there wasn't a woman in the world that could cope with them and neither could the British Army. <laughs>
0: So what happened uh, on the home front in Washington during the war?
1: Right. Well, there were blackberry collections and egg collections. Uh, There was an allotment at the school and there were local allotments, uh, courtesy of Lord Lampton, who offered some fairly poor land at very exorbitant prices, which the council turned their noses at. but eventually an agreement was reached. Uh, Lady Lampton, Lady Anne Lampton, that's Lord Lampton's sister, not his wife. Uh, His wife was in... uh, Uh, A mental institution. She uh, ran the Lady Lampton work depots. So there were the local sisterhoods and the work parties and the welcome home funds and the St. John's ambulance classes, because everybody could do their bit. There were food orders uh, left, right, and center saying what you could and couldn't do and what you could and couldn't buy. This was a, a war for freedom, democracy, and the right to regulate people within an inch of their lives. There was a school strike uh, in 1917 at uh, at Usworth where uh, the miners couldn't go on strike because they didn't have enough work anyway to feed the families. So they put their kids up to going on strike. That lasted a day and a half, and then Durham County Council discovered that actually it could afford to pay for dinners for the school children, and so the strike was over. But there was um, the usual <laughs> accoutrements of a strike with kids shouting that the other kids who'd gone to school were blacklegs and scallywags and there was some stone throwing and that kind of thing. Actually, I think there was a, a programme on the television about that uh, some time ago. There was lots of money raising to go on for the Belgian refugees and the Russian refugees and the DLI prisoners of war and other prisoners of war. Girls played football um, and the munitionettes came to Lampton Castle to, to look after wounded soldiers each Munitionette from Armstrong's factory up in Newcastle, a giant munitions factory. Uh, they came down and they got a wounded soldier each, and Lord Lambton gave them tea and said some charming things. Uh, other women joined the uh, the WAFs. And then, I think I'll finish in terms of the home front, with they gave their kids strange names. There was an Antwerp Colpitz, an Ain Marsden, a Nerve Chapelle Isaac Smith. I think Nerve Chapelle... Your dinner's ready. Must have been an interesting cry in the back streets of Washington. Neuve Chapelle, come in, pet. Your dinner's ready. There were a couple of Verduns. There was an Edith Lewes Drummond, whose father was shot in the head. At Lewis and subsequently died of his wounds, and that's a burden to carry. Named after the place where your father was killed, there was even an uh, an Iris Alsace Lorraine Wilson.
0: So, when you when we when the armistice finally comes and the men return home, what sort of casualty levels are we talking from the community? I think you've touched on this already, but have you done any sort of research into um, obviously those who fell, but also those who returned and what happened to them?
1: All right, we we have 383 names uh, on our three local, three, the three large local. Local war memorials. That's at Usworth, Harrington, and Washington Village. Uh, some of those men are actually uh, on two different memorials because they might live in one parish and work in another. There were some who clearly weren't on the memorials for whatever reason. Perhaps single men who'd, um, you know, been lodgers, and there was nobody to speak up for them at the end of the war when they went round collecting the names a couple of quins, I think, were killed. And of course, during the 1920s, I'm currently going through the absent voters list and the pension records from the good old Western Front pension records. And uh, that's throwing light on those who died in their middling years during the 1920s. There was a steady supply, if you like, of men who had been damaged by the war and who were passing on well before their time. But of course, the Homes for Heroes didn't exist. Washington had prior to the war, had plans for building council houses, but of course that all went in the, in the Depression of the 1920s, or the Depression in this area of the 1920s. So it was a, a, a time of great disruption, I think, and, um, and I don't think there were many flappers in Washington.
0: And how does the community remember the service and sacrifice of its population that served in the Great War?
1: Well, as I say, there are um, the three large memorials at Washington, Usworth and at Harrington. F. Pitt has a memorial with 60-odd names on. Uh, There was a Colliery Memorial, Top Club Memorial, Westwood Club Memorial. Fatfield School had uh, 42 names of a couple of teachers and then boys who had attended that school. So all of these things exist. There were about a 1,000 tribute medals uh, made for Washington, I assume, paid for by the colliery owners, who would be the only ones who had any real money. There were 666 tribute medals given out by Osworth Colliery. Uh, Harriton did it slightly differently. Harriton gave a gold watch to everybody uh, who won the military medal or above, and there were 18 of them. And here's an interesting one. A lady once in an exhibition up at Beamish Museum said to me, and did you know about the Café Shanty? I said, the Café Shanty? Whatever is that? She said, it Uh, It was a cafe in Fatfield uh, after the First World War, and the Chanté was a singing cafe. So the soldiers had brought back the idea of a cafe Chanté from France, and so people would turn up there and away their troubles as best they could
0: i understand you've done quite a bit of outreach um, to the local community obviously during the centenary looking at washington and the great war can you tell us about some of the stuff you've been doing
1: as i say we started with files we then went on to exhibitions and we've done talks to all kinds of local groups women's groups church groups uh, probus you name it we've done talks to them Uh, we've made four films the first one was what uh, we then made, we took a busload of 45 people, counted them out, counted them back in, because they were of a certain age, from Washington to Wipers and Wallen Court. We made a film about Washington men at the Somme, and we made a film called The We Are At War with Kate in and, uh... One or two other local stars, all of which were supported by the University of the Third Age because we are a, a U3A group and that enabled us to get uh, grants from uh, the Heritage Lottery Fund. There are links to all of those films, the four films are on YouTube and people can find the links to them on the website. They're, they're shown on um, Made in Tyne and Wayne Television. Uh, or at least is on a regular basis. So people will say it to me sometimes in the street, oh, I saw you on the telly last night. Or I heard you on the telly last night. For the end of the war, we got a local um, folk singing duo to write us half a dozen songs, and they performed them five times at Beamish Museum and at the local club and a couple of churches. We created a poppy walk with a 100 bronze resin poppies on houses or buildings where they used to work or live. A boy called Jordan Tuff, What a great name and what a fantastic lad. Started doing phone apps in year nine at school and by the time he left school, Jordan's a genius. I'm not not exaggerating. He has created this fantastic phone app where if you stand outside a house in Washington with a poppy on the front wall, you'll get a a little video on your phone and all the stories of all the men is on this phone app. A staggering piece of work and uh, achievement by that lad. Um, We've had... um, The Pals Battalion, that's to say uh, my wife and her pals, u three a members and others, some want to research, some want to take photographs, some want to knit, some want to do talks and exhibitions at Beamish Museum, uh, getting dressed up in the clothes of 1913-14. So the poppy girls, as we call them, started and we put poppies hanging off Fatfield Bridge. Uh, The main achievement, I think, was that for uh, 2018 we had... 12,557 knitted poppies hanging off the bridge on streamers, which people thought were fantastic. They were created, uh, we had knitting in public days, and when it rained, we had knitting in the pub day, which was uh, even better. And all of these things, all of these links are available through... Uh, through our website. And
0: how does the local community respond to these initiatives?
1: Well, we like to think very positively, certainly through the website. um, We get lots of contacts. Just last week, I got a photograph of Robert Pestel's five children. I haven't got a photograph of Robert yet, and the the relations are searching for a photograph of Robert, for whom there was a, a benefit at Washington Cinema, I think, in 1919. The five children were... Uh, being looked after by the community, if you like. And I think that sense of community has gone on. They get, they get a very big turnout at, the Washi- at um, Washington Village War Memorial. When we started doing little ceremonies at Fatfield War Memorial 10 years ago, Jimmy from the club would turn up, open his car bonnet, put a cassette player on and play the last post. This year we had about 500 people there. So that's been very gratifying. None of this could have been done without the stories people tell us and the artefacts that this shows. I mentioned Edith Lewes Drummond, they still have the bullet that was taken out of Richard Drummond's head in a box in the house. Uh, We've named a a street uh, on a new housing estate after William Forster, uh, who who lived in one of the houses in that area. Peter Hart, bless his cotton socks, uh, comes up to talk to Durham Western Front Association every November and the Peter Hart talk to the community, he will sometimes stay over for us, do a talk, and we'll get 70 people at the club listening to Peter talk about the First World War in that. uh, I think the word is inimitable style that he has. We've had great support from the the local council who restored one of the memorials where uh, a Celtic cross on the top of it had blown off in a storm, and they paid for that. So we think that uh, the community has been very supportive in terms of... Accepting the information, reading the information, liking the information, and chipping in with their own stories. Because these fellows were everybody's granddad.
0: And finally, Peter, where can people learn more? All
1: right, our website, uh, run by Lancastrian, is WWMP, what? Westington War Memorials Project. WWMP at Weebly dot com. Odd name, but it's one of those uh, site building sources so www.weebly.com, uh, and they'll find a contact uh, for me uh, and for the, the group of people uh, that we work together with uh, doing the research. So it's all there on the website.
0: Peter, thank you very much for your time.
1: You're very welcome.
0: You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Russman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.